So hello and welcome to episode 119 of Rebel City Podcast. Um, this week we have Anna Cowan. How's it going, Anna? It's good, thanks. How are you both? Brilliant. It's nice to meet you. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Yeah, aye, thanks very much for agreeing to do this. So um, do you want to just tell everybody a wee bit about yourself? You know, who you are? Like, I mean, we're here to talk about, we're doing, we're planning on speaking to a few people about sort of male violence mm-hmm. um, and, you know, we're planning to speak to a psychologist and police, ex-police officers mm-hmm. and, and stuff to get a bit of an insight. But we're basically here to talk about um, sort of sexual assault mm-hmm. and um, spiking. But before we get into that, um, I tell people sure. who so yeah, my name's Anna and I'm the co-founder of the campaign Girls Against. Um, we started back in 2015. Um, basically, we were a group of like teenage girls and we were going to a lot of live music, a lot of gigs. And we were all noticing that there was this culture of sexual violence and groping was the word we used to use, but I would just say sexual assault because it kind of has the seriousness of it. Yeah. Um, and it was something we all talked about, but we realised there wasn't many wider conversations happening at that time about it. So we decided to make our own campaign to kind of raise awareness of the issue. And how many years on is that? Seven, six. Six, six years on? Terrible at maths. Um, six years on, we do a lot of education. We provide a lot of educational resources for venues and training. Um, and we just want to <clears> kind of continue raising awareness of the issue because we initially started just at gigs, but now we've spread into kind of nightlife as well and just all forms of music, mm-hmm. night scene, nightlife scenes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that, that Girls Against was created at a sort of desperation yeah anger really like we're Uh all just raging we were just like this is something that affects all of us and it was one particular night we were at a gig a band called peace at the qmu and one of my friends had a really negative experience there and it was afterwards she was like crying to us and we were like how is this tolerated and we felt we just felt so powerless like yeah we're only there to have a fun time we're a group of teenage girls all we deserve to just forget our troubles and have a night of live music we should not Mm -hmm. have to be subjected to that so we always we honestly just started up a twitter account and then it just blew up um the band that we saw tweeted about us and then the nme the guardian independent all that caught Mm -hmm. onto it and then we realized that this was a a much bigger issue than we'd initially realized so we continued campaigning and we're still going and that just shows you it's still it's maybe worse in some areas like the spiking that we'll get onto later yeah yeah absolutely do you think that some sometimes with these things i think it's natural to ask do you think that it's more prevalent or do you think that our awareness of it's growing Mm. it's probably just our awareness i think it's always been an issue since you know there was movements in the 90s, like the Riot Girl movement, which was mm. in like the punk scene um, in America. And that, you know, it was talked about then. So it's it's been a conversation for a while. I'm not saying that we like are the f- kind of forefront yeah. of it. Like we were just a part of a wider thing. But I think like after Me Too and things like that, um, there is much more of an awareness of it. But I think it's still been prevalent and it still is. Yeah, yeah That's probably sure. not changed. I mean, I'm yeah. aware in the past of things like... Um, was it safe gigs for women? Was yeah, we the, work with them a lot. One as of the well. first organisations I became aware of. Um, they've been about a, a number of years as well, as mm-hmm. far as I know. And it was quite a, again, like this is one of the things where a perspective comes into it. Where as a guy who went to gigs over days, like again, we'll get into the no every man can hang, but it was a, a subject that I was pretty oblivious to mm-hmm. until we've seen it coming in with like safe gigs for women and other campaigns like yourself i think as well when you talk about the traction that you got as quickly as you did Mm -hmm. probably indicates how widespread it is and how people like particularly myself who go well after and i know i've experienced that actually like acknowledge and address that this is exactly a huge issue yeah i mean we were at a gig at Orin moore a few weeks ago we had a stall um because we do that quite a lot we were just there for people to come and chat to us and a man who was maybe in his 50s, 60s came up to us and he was like, my whole life I've been going to gigs and I've never seen this happening. And I was like, well, why do you think we're here? Uh, Obviously, mm. we've not just made this up, conjured out of thin air. Yeah. And also, you're a man who's probably able to have that power in the crowd. You're not a young teenage girl who can be preyed upon because men think they can. Yeah. Um. And he was quite almost accusatory to us. He was almost acting as if we were making it up. But then we had a bit of a chat and I was like, listen, like we're here for a reason. And then he kind of was like, oh, you know, kind yeah. of understood. But I find it interesting that it started at gigs because if you look at historically entertainment, 
it's been a huge misogynistic sort of boys club mm. and groupie culture. So it's almost like accepted mm -hmm. that if you come here, you know, I mean, we grew up, I played in a band for a decade mm. and me and Matt started going to gigs at like 14. And I remember people saying, oh, when girls are crowd surfing, grab their bum. Yeah. And um, put your hand up their skirt. So for a guy, I find it very hard to believe that a guy that's been going to gigs in, in his 50s, that he's never seen anything like that. I mean, mm. you can literally go to YouTube, right? And if anybody wants to go, if anybody's sitting right now going like, I've, I've never seen this, go to YouTube, put in Limp Biscuit at Woodstock. There's a video on still there where the girl gets up on her boyfriend, hopefully shoulders, gets her boobs out, and there's just hands just come up in the crowd and just grab her. And she's like swatting hands away like fucking whack-a-mole. Yeah. So if you doubt that this is a problem or has been a problem for a long time, there are many, many examples on mm -hmm. the internet where you can go and see that. Even like, I remember things like um, Aqua. She would talk about getting groped oh, in the 90s. Yeah, like going Barbie girl. Yeah yeah, 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 I mean, they they had they'd more than that, I think. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> but um, she would get no, groped. I don't think they did. They, <laughs> I think they, they actually, you know, I think Aqua had like a serious music career in Scandinavia right. and Barbie Girl was just like a sort of hit. Right. But I mean, it's a great song. Well, we could debate well, that. Well, 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 we're getting sidetracked <laughs> about here. <laughs> she spoke about it in the 90s and like you're saying, like there's there's been movements all the way through. But I'm wondering if that sort of attitude within music where it being predominantly men in bands mm -hmm. and there's, especially if it's rock music, yeah. it's aggressive, women are kind of, I don't know, like sort of fodder mm. in that sort of environment. Do you think that's kind of played into I that? definitely do. There's specific, you know, it happens in all genres of music, but we in Girls Against started out very much being fans of like indie music. We like, you know, yeah. Red Enemy and a lot of those bands there is a culture of oh these girls are absolutely falling all over me i can do whatever i want because i have this power i'm on the stage there's literally a physical power difference they're above you yeah you know but it is in it is in rock you know there's been a lot of accusations from um like pop punk bands of there being abuse from them so it's it's really multifaceted because it isn't just in the crowds it's the whole culture mm -hmm. from the bands as well and the yeah, kind yeah. of ways that they I let this behavior happen you know it's like limbiscuit like i'm sure fred what's his name Dust. will have seen that happen and you know not called out so no. that's why we always encourage artists if they see anything to call out and make sure that security gets involved because it comes yeah. from all angles yeah do you want to mention this i was gonna say this in one of the when you say that asking bands to call it i think we had an example like probably the first example i've ever seen i think this week of was it the snuts yeah yeah who stopped a gig I saw this. Mid yeah, set was, because was, of this type yeah. of behavior and are there other examples that you've got? There's loads, yeah. I mean, um, Circle Waves, one of the first bands we worked with that have done it. It's it's even just condemning it before you see it. It's even just saying, we will not tolerate this behaviour here. If you do this, you'll be asked to leave and further actions might happen, you know. Mm, yeah. I'm trying to think of other artists now that have called out directly, but there, there is loads. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, it and it's actually it's also more just common than I've seen, even though I've only just seen it. Yeah, um, that's a cultural shift, though. nice timing. Because yeah. you both feel Oasis and him... I mean, Liam used to be like, who's getting up and getting uh, half yeah. naked in front I'm of me? I'm not yeah. singing another song until somebody exactly. gets the top off. And to indie bands, like the Snuts, like sort of newer, uh, younger guys mm. calling out. But I think that when you talk about that power structure, I think that there's no getting away for that. Like yeah. the guys on the stage, or the guys or the women on the stage are, are, you know, that is their domain. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like they they should head off. They should have something. I mean, they, they, they've done it for crowd trouble. They'll be like, no pushing, no shoving. The yeah. bands will walk off stage. Yeah. See Slipknot, they'll mm. like stop the trouble or we like fighting. Dave Grohl's done it. If you don't mm. stop fighting, I'm walking off. So if you, I think that's great to hear that like young guys yeah. doing that. You know, I would expect it more for women. Yeah, I don't true. know if that's No, no, like you're right. I mean, you compare say, that to the recent Travis Scott incident where he just kind yeah, of let it man. get away with it, which is horrendous. But I mean, who knows what else was going on in that crowd because there was just absolutely no control of it and that's the thing there needs to be people looking in you know objective kind of um witnesses looking in like security or bands or whoever making sure that their fans are safe because surely you want them to be safe they they Absolutely. adore you why are you then turning a blind eye to sexual assault or violence or you know anything i just don't get it maybe an argument then for like obviously when you know bands go on tour they, they have certain criteria that become part of their agreements with venues and stuff like that is this something that maybe you're looking at asking bands to start including that 
there needs to be signage, there needs to be like a yeah. moment where the band come out and say, look guys, here's what we expect. Or yeah, well, there is a lot of musicians who are thinking of doing that. One thing that we've always said would be like female security guards, even just one, so that if you feel like you want to report something, there is a bit more of a kind of less intimidating, because you know, big burly security guards can sometimes be a wee bit intimidating. And I'm yes. not saying, you know, plenty of them are lovely. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. um, one musician we're working with next year, I'll just talk about it. I don't know if it's like secret or not, is the singer Clairo. Um, She has reached out to us. She's like quite famous and most of her fans are young girls. Yep. And she's having us on every single tour date. She's briefing her security and she's having a service where if you feel uncomfortable, you can text a number in the crowd and we'll receive the text and we'll come and find you and like keep you safe almost and take you out and have you, you know, make sure you're all right. And that's come from her as a artist who's got millions of fans, so sold out UK tour. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just such an incredible thing for her to do. She doesn't have to do that. Absolutely. This is the thing. It's And that just shows you if it comes from them, it is almost better than us having to kind of beg them to let us be at their gigs yeah. and protect yeah. their fans. You would hope that that 50-year-old guy, if he went to see, I don't know, like the specials and yeah. the specials were saying, this is a problem and this is how he would then maybe go, oh, I've not seen it, but surely exactly uh, have more respect for the people on stage than people at a stall yeah you know? no exactly i mean one of the biggest people that we've had support us is johnny marr which was incredible i mean amazing think of him say, speaking about it compared to like morrissey i yeah, mean i was just gonna say polar opposite the crossroads of the smiths i know was <laughs> that that generational thing again where we're talking about the smiths and the specials mm -hmm. you're talking about you know younger sort of artists and stuff like that where the steps you're talking about I'm, I'm going, that's brilliant. Mm. But then see that in the back of my head, my vo the voice man or monologue's gone, why the fuck do we need that? Like, I know. That's disgraceful. That I'm going, this is amazing. The work you're doing, thank, thanks for doing it. Thanks for letting young women feel safe at gigs when they wouldn't ordinarily. And, you know, progress. And, and in the back of my head, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Why, why I'd rather we didn't we exist. Ah, yeah, you know I, I mean? don't. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, so on that subject, um, just in case people are kind of like ignorant or, no, I wouldn't say ignorant, but you know, you, you know what I mean? Like what kind of rates of assault do you hear from friends and, mm -hmm. or through the campaigning? Like what, what are the, you know, is it like every gig there's something mm -hmm. happening or? I suppose it's it's hard to know because not everyone that it happens to reports it and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we don't have, we, we've tried, but we don't have specific statistics. There is some research, but I'd say most women I know that go to gigs or nightclubs have had, have been touched when they've not wanted to be or worse. Um, that, that not, obviously that's just me and it's mm -hmm. not happened to every single woman or person because it does happen to men as well. Yep. We've had plenty of men come and speak to us um, mm. and we, we're here for everyone. Um, when it's men... Is it other men? Not always. It's right. sometimes women. Okay. It's sometimes just I don't. I don't even know. It's different for everyone, but it, it does. It does happen, and mm -hmm. we just want to make sure that every you know victim is supported. Aye. The atmosphere of these guys can, as we say, sometimes be quite aggressive environments to start. Yeah, with. and when alcohol and drugs are in the mix, I mean, it just you know, it's it's te the perpetrators do tend to be drunk, and they can often use that as an excuse, like oh, I didn't know what I was doing, but. You, not every drunk person starts assaulting people. No. It's, it's something in you that you think that it's acceptable to do that. Mm -hmm. um, i always said that when it comes to the people that end up in a fight on a Friday night after a few pints and you're like, oh, I was steaming and you're like, but yeah. I've drank excessively <laughs> over my lifetime and I've never felt the need to punch or rape anybody. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't think intoxication is, as much as it is an excuse to get used, it's absolutely not no. a valid one. You know mm -hmm. It's like, almost, it explains it, but it doesn't excuse it. Um, yeah, you know. all they've you done is actually like deliberately lower their inhibitions. Yeah. Uh-huh, you might give somebody a bit of leeway, but it would be the same as sending somebody to like a dry, drunk driving course. There needs to be a consequence. You yeah. need exactly. to go and educate yourself, surely. Yep. The reason I ask that sort of level, because I, I mean, I've said this a couple of times on the podcast. We've done podcasts about revenge porn and difficult mm -hmm. issues that are kind of men issues that women are the victims in. Mm -hmm. And we're not scared to like, sort of talk about it and, and even look at our own in if we've ever you know like for instance me and matt grew up you know we might not look at it, but we grew up in the 90s but um we were talking before you came in about um you know lad mag culture mm. brit pop the, the culture all these things yeah. that we grew up with that normalized absolutely the subjectification absolutely and when we were talking i was like you know being an 18 or 19 or nearly 40 but being an, an 18 19 year old guy in the garage i absolutely 
touched women on the mm. dance floor, it was acceptable. Yeah. I had been groped once or twice myself. Like it was just accepted. It mm. was wasn't it something that you were like, this is bad or wrong. But when the sort of shift started happening around about the sort of 2010s, yeah. I remember speaking to people, um, speaking to women in my life, girlfriends, uh, ex-girlfriends, friends, and every single one of them had a story. We had a friend, won't name her, who was nearly abducted after one a gig night where she came to see my band, mm-hmm. left at like the small hours in the morning and thought I'll just walk back to Mavis back bank gardens down at the, the Clyde and, yeah. and somebody tried to abduct her so oh I God. don't know any woman any woman sorry in my life that if I was to say it is from cat calling wolf whistling mm. right the way through to like actual rape yeah. like, like the, the worst of it and they've all got an experience that was why I wanted to ask that question because yeah. I don't know anybody that couldn't be like I've been groped or, or whatever yeah exactly and I did you know I did say maybe not everyone but, but, but that's not my experience like it's just everyone I know it has happened to and that is why we started the campaign we were all 15 16 and this had happened to us we were children mm-hmm. and that's a whole other level of just disgustingness that uh-huh. and I'm very open and able to talk about it now but at the time we would get a lot of questions from the press and they'd be like tell us exactly what happened in detail because they want the gory details because they think it will sell that's going to give them a headline yeah and it's that's the way that victims are treated in the media it's like oh this will get this will get some clicks you know this is but that it shouldn't be sensationalized like that because it does affect every single woman pretty much that I know and for, it affects everyone differently. You know, people can have, be traumatized from these experiences mm-hmm. and later down the line, it'll affect them in ways they won't realize. So Absolutely. I think we can even see the, like, the spectrum of that. Every woman at some point in their experience, when you look at things like Me Too and that, where mm-hmm. you see these actresses who play these strong, empowering characters, you know, superheroes and heroines and whatever else that happens to be for their entire career. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, even they can turn around and be like, that's know who I am in real life. Like, yeah. I've been victimised, I've been whatever it is. And you're yeah. kind of like, that, you know, it's young teenage lasses at gigs, it's Oscar winning actresses and pretty much everybody in between. Exactly. And it's also female musicians yeah. who a lot of the time will uh, like crowd surf and be touched, even though that's from their own fans. And they'll have to put on this persona when they're on stage. And, you know, they're inspirations to many young women. But they still get it as well. And then there's lots of other kind of unknown areas that we're trying to talk about more, like crew and staff who work in venues. And we did a a project recently all about female crew members on who tour because we're like, they don't actually get enough attention and they don't have as much of a voice in this conversation. So we wanted to give that to them because it's all all for all areas of the music industry that it affects. What we're talking about here is also both sides of the stage then. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So mental i think that'd be a horrific experience to boot on tour with somebody for a number of weeks or a number of months or whatever it is and find yourself in yeah. a type of situation that you weren't comfortable in because that's your livelihood uh, yeah you know and it's, I mean? it's your job and there's all sorts of legality issues when you can't speak out because we've tried to if there's been an abusive musician at a festival we've been meant to we were meant to work at an incident happened a few years ago we were meant to work at, with truck festival down in in oxfordshire mm-hmm. And we pulled out because one of the headlining bands had multiple accusations against them. And we tweeted about it and we got a phone call from their legal team basically threatening us. Um, so it's things like that. And the, the, the accusations, there was multiple and a lot of them couldn't be refuted. They were true. Aye, right. Seems we, odd when you've already went into that type of agreement to provide your yeah. service at that type of venue for them to be like, how dare you? do the thing yeah. that we hired you or signed you up to do it was complete like, hypocrisy so we pulled out and we were just disgusted we were like you only wanted us there to show face until it's like it a good. superficial just band-aid yeah. or yeah mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. just PR. i mean even guys like marlon manson you know oh. like see it, it's hard to, i mean I, I went to see marlon manson at glasgow green exhibition center as a teenager like probably 2001 or something like that a long time ago but when you it's so weird to say, but you just don't think about it. Mm. And then as soon as an accusation, it just clicks. You start to think about the act. You start to think about the way he treats me. And there's like video footage of Marlon Manson, like basically abusing a woman on stage. Mm-hmm. And you're like, right, this is clearly true. Like, yeah. And still people doubt it. I mean, amongst the fans, like Michael Jackson, mm. the Michael Jackson fans were like death threatening people. That yeah. were, and you're kind of like, come on, like yeah. you need to wake up. Like even if, even if let's just say that 
he's not abusing kids. The fact that he's sleeping in the same bed with 14, 13 year old boys as an adult, that is not no. good behavior. Mm. And it, and the fact he's got an accusation, surely you need to um, stop that. Yeah, <laughs> um, just think critically. Like uh-huh. it, it is, I can understand. And we've spoken with a lot of fans of people who've been accused of things. If you're such a diehard fan of somebody, of course it's difficult to realize what they've been like. And yep. it's a process. And we almost support people who, you know, have been fans of somebody for years and find out they're actually an abuser or a rapist. And yeah. you have to force yourself to stop listening to them. Of course it's difficult because that artist means so much to you. And you've maybe been through a lot and their music's helped mm-hmm. you. And that is a shit situation to be in. But mm. you do need to think the situation that's shitter are the victims of who that person has abused. Yeah. yeah. So you really just have to think about critically about it. Absolutely. And, do you think uh, that there's been a part of this has been a lack of accountability in the sense that people look up to guys like Marlon Manson, you know, if you were a goth or you were a mm. metalhead in the late 90s, early 2000s, he was the, you know, he was like fucking Jesus to yeah. these people. And then they see the way that he's treating people, even if there's no accusation of assault or rape at that point in time, but they can, they sort of see it playing out. And does that kind, do you think that kind of gives them permission to mimic that? Or Mm. they sort of get the idea that, we can do that mm. you know like i can slap somebody mm. or you know what i mean i definitely do and it's especially difficult for communities like the goth community because they're a group that get a lot of abuse from people anyway and are kind of on the outcasts of society mm. so they look at someone like marlon manson and he's this really famous cool guy that they look up to and makes them feel a bit more accepted and then you're right his behavior will then be a kind of role model effect and they'll think that it's okay to do that and it, it, it's so tricky because i can i can put myself in their fans shoes I know how difficult it would but be. I think it's probably more important that we put ourselves in well, the shoes like Rachel Evans would. Who exactly. The that's the that bottom line. Described as it's uh-huh. horrendous. I mean, I and that's even, the bottom line. I wouldn't even cast it up here. You know the, what I mean? The, no. the, what came up for me there as well, um, not to interrupt you, is do you know about Peter Steele? You ever heard? So there was a band mm. called Typo Negative and this guy was in Playgirl. So he's like, I mean, he's basically like that sort of sex symbol. Right. But not very many people know about him. So it's a weird yeah. one. But he was very much a sort of male feminist and mm. in, in the 90s so he was coming out and speaking in interviews and talking about how like you know i love women and like he does but see the the imagery that they used it was all like blood and like women with like sort of slack fake slash marks and yeah. he was like sort of like with a chain round the neck and mm. and it was in playgirl mm. you know it was like women porn it was like yeah. sort of women focused porn and i think like that's even just that he's not about that he's mm. not abusing women but the sort of visual that they use to represent him as like a sort of male sex symbol in that time in the mid 90s was very much abusive mm. and domination and i think like maybe even that sort of like what that sort of culture just sort of like and the imagery certainly does something up on certain people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what we're talking about so in terms of like the the organization itself like we were saying that a lot of artists are now starting to take on venues festivals and so on and so forth i was reading um there's somebody who's touring that you're working with just now but you're actually putting representatives in the venues mm-hmm. so that if someone actually feels any discomfort or you know or is assaulted or you know whatever happens to be the case that there are members there who are actually like i'm assuming trained to a certain extent to deal yeah. with these types of things yeah not, not fully because it is very difficult to to get like full training and we, we're not yeah. on a registered charity so we do have limited funding but we essentially we're there for people to speak to to be a kind of safe space and then we can then provide further resources say things like rape crisis and we have direct links with a lot of charities yeah. um there's one charity we work really closely with called good night out okay. and they provide training to venue staff loads of venues in glasgow are trained by them and you get like an accredited kind of um qualification from them which means that your staff know what to do in a situation where somebody Mm -hmm. reports sexual violence so we mainly work in collaboration with charities like that but because we're not one we're just kind of there as a middleman almost to kind of lead them to people who then can provide professional support but you know if we're at a venue people will come up to us and say i feel safer just seeing that you're here (coughs) and the fact that a lot of the time it comes from the artists themselves they're like i'm proud to be a fan of this artist like recently we worked with the ninth wave glasgow band Mm -hmm. um and you know loads of their fans were saying i'm just really grateful that and then millie who's in the band like shouted us out and you know told people to come and speak to us so Mm -hmm. it's a kind of it's a good relationship to have when you know that a musician really does care 
um, and it means their fans ultimately feel safer. And if anything does happen, we're there for them. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing, and I think it's a, a really important time for, especially for like guys like us, for this type of thing to come to our attention because, as you say, we grew up in quite a laddie culture, mm. and you know, as much as we question, you know, well, is that the attitude to have? How do we, you know, combat it, change it, etc. Within ourselves, like. We know that a lot of folk who maybe have similar upbringings and backgrounds to us probably only asking those questions at the same time because all through their lives, as they page three and the lads mm-hmm. mags and then on to, you know, porn and as we say, only fans and so on and so mm-hmm. forth, like there is this graphic sort of objectification of women that's been a you know, a fairly sizable part of their life. Like we even spoke about things like game shows. Mm. Like grew up in a time where there was not, a, you couldn't watch The Price is Right or Family Fortunes. And we even said, what was it, Funhouse? I do remember that. The, no. Well, no. So it like was, a 90s TV, kids TV program. Aye, it was on like SDV, after school. And they had the twins who were like two cheerleaders. Two like 19-year-old born cheerleaders oh. who were in behind pack. And so it went from <laughs> newspapers to, as I say, kids TV, mm. game shows. Every, every game show host had... A lovely assistant, you know. Yeah. Still see it. You do. Why is Susanna Reid? <laughs> no, no offense to her journalistic qualifications, no. right? But why would why did Susanna Reid get the multi million tens of millions of pounds to go for BBC Breakfast to Good Morning Britain? It was because Facebook groups started popping up, Twitter mm. groups started popping up. Susanna Reid's hot, mm. and people taking screenshots of photos of BBC Breakfast and sharing on the internet. Mm. So. That is the reason why she is there, is mm. that she's the eye candy, well, yeah. you know? It's yeah. one of the reasons, Aye. I would say it's probably one of the big reasons. Yeah. And it's not right, I'm not saying Aye, that. because right, the show at that same, that somebody like Piers Morgan or now the, the other idiot, who's there now, whatever his name is. Yeah, and she's almost there to kind of appease him and be like, oh, Piers, like, don't uh-huh. be silly. Like soften his edges, yeah, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I get now that as we start to have these conversations, there's going to be guys probably of our ages that are like, well, I don't see it wrong with it. It's just been normal my entire life. How can you like now say that something is wrong mm-hmm. with how we've, how it's always been, right? But what makes it important to have these conversations now is that we're now moving for things like sexual assaulted gigs that some of us weren't aware of to a place where it's now becoming unsafe for girls to even, and women, sorry, to even just go out for a drink on a yeah. Friday night. Yeah. And like... How much of that slide towards this more sort of dangerous thing are you seeing out in your venues or at your gigs and with other places that yeah. you work with? We've had so many people come and say to us that they've been spiked recently, particularly by injection. So there's been a big increase recently. So spiking by alcohol or by drink, you know, putting something in somebody's drink has been an issue for a long time yeah. in nightlife. But we've recently seen um, needles being used for spiking, which is a whole other level of just disgusting. It is, it's, vi- it's violent. It's completely violent. And you've seen the rhetoric of oh if you go to night out make sure you cover your drink don't drink too much but how can you say that to somebody who's about to be injected there's nothing you can do so that just shows you that that kind of discourse about you know what a victim should do needs to just end completely it mm-hmm. cannot be about you protecting yourself because how can you protect yourself from a needle injecting you yeah, in a club yeah. um yeah and and what you've been saying about men who've been raised you know in the, in this culture it is difficult because you do have to go back and reflect on a lot of your own prejudices and views but there's a lot of amazing men like i'm sure he's no loki uh Dana McGarvey, like, on, like three yeah, twice, twice yeah. Before i mean here, so. he's brilliant and he's such a good example of a man who's really looked back you know he's done raps about domestic violence um from a male perspective mm. and it is possible to look back and reflect so it's difficult because there are so many men who are doing that like yourselves who are looking back in lad culture and thinking that wasn't okay but then there is also this increase in spiking at the moment mm-hmm. by injection so it's this weird double fold issue that right. it needs to be more thorough of men reflecting on their behaviors because otherwise there wouldn't be these spikings happening at the yeah. moment mm-hmm. we definitely need to get that quicker by the sounds of it Aye, for sure why do you think that shifts happened like i, I find it disturbing you know, like the, the idea that somebody's bringing needles. Needles, oh. like why I mean, is I've seen one of your posts for um, the the group, and it was a thing that I never considered. And it takes the the danger that women are being exposed to in these situations to just an entirely different level for me. Mm. My, my daughter's seventeen; she's about to, you know, start going out and experiencing yeah. the world and having nights out and all these types of things. And I know in the conversation, you know, it, it gets frowned upon to be like. I want this to change for my wife and daughter, but a, a big part no, of what I want it, this to change a, for yeah. is my wife and yeah, daughter. Yeah, of course, of course. You know what I mean? Like, um, 
And that is that one way that it's easy for a lot of men. Tested for sexual transmitted infection because of the, mm. the needles. Are, are these needles even clean? Mm. And you're just like, it adds a whole other dimension. It's not just that someone is potentially at danger on a night out to sexual assault as a result of being drugged. It's that after that, as well as dealing with the trauma of having been sexually assaulted, they also may also have to deal with things like STIs and stuff like yeah. that. And like, for, I, for we need to get that, on top of it. For the guys that are doing it, like, they could end up getting done for murder. Yeah. Like, you could end up killing somebody. You know How is I mean? that worth it? How is that worth it? I just don't get it. Yeah, so many women who have been spiked by injection, I've seen lots of reports um, and we've received a lot of messages that they've had to go to hospital and then be checked for things like hepatitis and mm -hmm. HIV. And while the rates are really low, because there has been a bit of scaremongering about HIV, um, people have been saying that there's been needles that are filled with HIV, which isn't true. Like there has been a lot of kind of scaremongering about it, but there is a, always a risk yeah. and it's better to be safe and sorry. But you shouldn't have to be going to hospital <coughs> and getting checked. No, it just no. shouldn't have to happen. No. And it's particularly after the pandemic when people are needing fun and they're ne needing a relief. And I, I think so many abusive men over the pandemic have almost been thinking about, well, what can I do once we're back, you know? And that this must be what mm. they've thought of. Like idle hands. Yeah, like. well, exactly. And I just wonder how this has become such a UK-wide thing, whether there are these networks oh, for sure. of men, you know, on like things like Reddit. And, well, you we know. were talking about this before you came in again, is that as much as I respect and know that it is needed for these safe spaces, there is going to, it seems that there might be this other side of the coin mm. where they're like, spreading bad ideas like getting letting men go into spaces where it's only men and they just bounce off the worst ideas with each other mm -hmm. and this could be like do you know about a uh, ada game no, so this guy went to he was he had a youtube a channel artist. he was oh, a pickup artist God. in glasgow and he had a youtube channel where he was openly sexually assaulting women like there's a, a video of you know like trigger warning but there was a video of the girl clearly saying we can have sex but only if you use a condom mm. and then it sort of like fades to him taking a picture of the unopened condom oh, or God. taking a video with unopened condom on the floor and laughing about it mm. but these guys these a-game guys these are a network of men on the internet that are thousands hundreds of thousands mm. and what they're doing is sharing how to assault women yeah. because what they do is is basically browbeat women on the street they mm. go up they pay them compliments they sit down and then they basically talk them into bed mm. and they've got techniques they share them with each other so that is absolutely existing yeah and as much as the internet is bringing people together in really great ways for activism and sharing these stories and it's bringing people together in ways that we, i don't think we quite know absolutely and the dark web is a terrifying place and yeah. there'll be plenty of this on there and it's a case of how do you regulate that and legislate it because you know policymakers don't know about it and it's something that we're way off actually knowing really what it's about and how to even access it so mm. it's a scary thought um but i think it's going to take a while to really get into just because we're only really finding out about it and it's still in early stages yeah, yeah. absolutely it's too much a coincidence that we're seeing the examples that you're talking about a young woman up and down the country being assaulted uh -huh. with needles in the exact same Within manner. Weeks. Exactly. For it's too much of a coincidence. It, it certainly it's feels as though there's a uh, concerted attempt for that. Yeah, I'm not trying to sound spread. like a pure conspiracy theorist, but I genuinely believe. Well, no, they'll no. be on Reddit and they'll be Absolutely. sharing or on 4chan, 8chan, whatever, yeah. and sharing this stuff. Yeah. Going back to what Matt was sort of talking about and the sort of culture that we grew up that sort of started with, you know, hate, um, I was going to say HMV, FHM and Maxim, mm -hmm. and is now in what seems to be, you know, people watching simulated rape on Pornhub mm -hmm. on a daily basis, or, you know, teen, and, oh, but she's 21, but she looks 15, and it's like, this is very problematic, yeah. and, you know, like, you know, I assume that you've not listened to the podcast, I'm an ex-porn addict, so mm -hmm. I recovered from porn addiction, you know, like, back in 2016, mm -hmm. so... I know all about this. Like mm. I know what I know where this leads your mind and in, in the dark places. But how much? Because this, I feel like a lot of this is an entitlement issue. Yeah, it is a. I think that there's it's multifaceted. I think evolutionary psychology comes into it that you know men are kind of built to you know spread their seed as much as yeah. you know, as and we get this sort of inbuilt drive towards it, and as um, you know, women quite rightly take things into their own hands as they have in the last sort of 50 years 
men are kind of feeling well what about me yeah. you know but yeah. well you know you know how about you just don't be a prick mate and yeah. you might might attract a woman but <laughs> i think that there's a, a, a culture talking to them instead of drugging them yeah, well, yeah. for sure but i think that there's a, a culture that is coming out from porn mm. where young men um i mean what age are you i'm 22 right so guys that are in your age group have had access to high-speed internet porn on demand at their fingertips and now we're starting to see you know sex work on demand with like only fans yeah. and i'm wondering like do you see it as that kind of being a, a problem because a guy now really can like we were, we were talking before you came in we we're saying like it's always been an issue where a man can use his power and wealth to persuade women to be attracted or to, to engage with them but now we're seeing guys can pay a tenner and the girls are messaging them yeah and they might see that girl on the street or in the nightclub and think that they're entitled to their time mm-hmm. and their sexual activity and i'm wondering where this goes and, and how you see that sort of culture being mm-hmm. a problem so coincidentally i did my uni dissertation about only fans so i am something i'm very it's something i'm really interested in so what my i'd studied sociology and politics and what i looked at was over the pandemic there's been this massive increase of OnlyFans, of the use of it and people starting accounts and getting into sex work and i was looking at whether the popularization of it is leading to a kind of normalization of that culture of oh i'm just gonna become a sex worker and make loads of money without really thinking about the way that that will impact people's futures and yep. i spoke to a variety of different sex workers on that app some who have been a sex worker for years and have done like full service sex work and other women who had just started it over the pandemic and it was really interesting to hear them talk about their clients and there was a real loneliness that they said that comes from the men who messaged them and talked to them. One girl I spoke to did a girlfriend simulator where she would pretend she was his girlfriend over message. Yeah. And there is a sadness and a loneliness to that, but there is also the entitlement that they think I've mm. paid you money so you can do this for me. And I'm very interested in violent porn. It's in the increase of it and the ways that it's kind of then come into the bedroom with all these women being murdered by being choked in bed. Yeah. Yeah. These things are all interlinked and I... I'm very pro-sex work and I think that porn has a place in society but not when it's violent and not when men are watching it and thinking that is what sex is and Absolutely. I can do that to a woman. Yep. It's, they need to understand that porn is removed from society. It's its own kind of bubble and it isn't real. Yeah, That's the thing. You're not going to find these it's women in real life for you. As it gets. Exactly. Um, so it's complicated but I do think it is really linked with violence and the ways that men view women in society and I, I would never want to talk down on the sex workers themselves because they're just trying to make a living with yeah. what they've got yeah. you know half them don't actually really enjoy it they just do it because they get money from it but some do enjoy it i'm not generalizing yeah. but it's more about the men that are consuming it and buying it and the weird kind of you know childlike women that some of them go for and the violence and like yeah. you were saying earlier it is concerning and i am definitely concerned about it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah because that's, that's, i mean if we were saying is it linked where guys are then buying drinks and being like, well, you need to fucking speak to me because mm. I bought you a drink. Mm. Is that linked to the fact that they can pay three ninety nine and start interacting? Yeah. I don't know, like, but I think it's an interesting one. There's a certain type of man that's always felt like buying a woman a drink entitled them to their time. I don't yeah, know that was. just like these pickup artists. Yep. I was watching a YouTube video about them the other day and it remembered that a few years ago, I was walking up Buchanan Street and one of them came up to me. I didn't realise who he was, but it was he was like, started, asked me. <laughs> he was like, oh, do you want to go on a date? Do you want to go on a date? And I was thinking I was like 17 and he just followed me. And I ended up, I was going to meet my friends and I just started crying when I met them because he was like filming me as well. Yeah. So I think it was a guy, I never wow. knew who he was or what it was. Um, and it wasn't until later on that I realised that was probably one of these pickup artist guys. Yeah. Ugh, and it was just gross, but it, that wasn't even in a situation where there is alcohol and there is that coercion and spiking at the end of it. Yeah. Um, ugh, it's just, yeah, gross. But I remember a few years ago, there was a pickup artist that was trying to come to Glasgow and he got b- banned. I think this is, is, the, guy is it the same guy? No, he he lived in Glasgow on the south side. He went to Berlin for a year. Did he? Yeah, yeah, because they had all the the video evidence, yeah, everything. So that he should have been longer than a year. Um, he he got convicted and he went to Berlin for a year. Mm. Um, and um, I hope he got a a taste of his own medicine mm. while he was in jail. We'll probably edit that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that it's important 
while we're talking about this sort of issue of spiking and the recent events, are you seeing mental health issues? Because um, surely there must be a level of anxiety going into a nightclub now. Mm. You know, you're supposed to be going out to relax, unwind, have mm. a drink, be your pals, have a dance. You know, like the, we love a night out, like everybody. Yeah. Loves, but now there's this added element for women where it's like. I need to make sure that I've got eyes in the back of my head so I don't get stabbed. Absolutely. Like, no, sake. exactly. And that's why I think the boycott of nightclubs, so there was a boycott a few weeks ago yeah. um, mm -hmm. all over the UK. Um, I think that hopefully sent a message to nightclubs that people are actually scared to enter their premises. Um, and I think there has been a bit more of a demand for kind of spaces where the DJs are women and it's a lot of more of a safer space. It's not a women only venue because yeah. you can't, how can you actually place that? And also that's not a solution to the problem. No. Um, but even like when I was a, a gig a few weeks ago doing Girls Against Work, people were coming up to me saying, oh, I really wanted to go out after this, but I'm just terrified. I'm too scared. And, and I kind of said to them, it's obviously only do what you feel comfortable with, but don't let this stop you going out because that's what they want. Yeah. They want you, they want that power over you and but over your body. Control in exactly. That and I was like, it's obviously up to you if you feel comfortable, but I, I want, if you want to go out, go out because yeah. the only way that this is going to change is if we keep, you know, enjoying ourselves and trying our best to not so let this. Girls Against have recommendations for nightclubs that would allow them to make them mm -hmm. safer spaces. Just have like things that you recommend when people engage with you definitely yeah one is obviously making sure that the venue staff are all trained preferably by good night out to make sure that if somebody does come up to them and report it they don't just chuck them out because so much of the time if you're spiked you look as though you're steaming and yeah. so junk and you'll just get chucked out on the street by yourself yeah and that is a, such a common thing that so many people have said to me has happened to them so we'd want it's to make sure response to well i know somebody I being attacked you, on your premises honestly you collapsed or lost control of your bodily functions and that type of like manner i mean I, I was talking in a previous episode in the build up to this about an ex-girlfriend of mine who we'd been split for a few weeks and she was spiked in the garage and mm. i had to like take her to the royal at like two in the morning um and like she had lost complete control of like limbs, mm. like she couldn't stand up. Like to take, is there any other venue or building or organization anywhere in the world that would see somebody in that state and then just be like, exactly out in the street you go? Like, exactly, it's a lack of kind of kindness. It's simple, just human kindness. If you see somebody in a state, you should help them or at least make sure they're not in danger. Yeah. Um. And, you know, people are being drugged by things like ketamine, which obviously make you lose control of your limbs and you can't walk. Yeah, it's and just a horse tranquilizer. Yeah, it tra you know literally I mean? tranquilizes you. It's disgusting. So, and we also want to make sure that security themselves are trained and are cautious and are aware of the power that they have. Because a lot of the time, these big burly men don't realize they look intimidating and that people might not want to report something to mm -hmm. them. Um and there's something that we've been interested in is this thing about searching because there was a petition recently that was about increasing searching and making sure it's thorough and full body. And while I do think to a degree that's needed, if there's anything we've learned from the Black Lives Matter movement, increased policing isn't always the best idea. response. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if a black woman is going into a club and she's been heavily searched, who knows what is going on in that bouncer's head, whether they're actually racist or they've got that power, yeah. you know. Yeah. So we think it's a lot more complicated than that and there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, people need to be searched and their bags need to be searched, of Absolutely. course, but more thorough searching won't get to the root of the issue, which is yeah. the power that men also have. the thing, is, as, as a, a man who through his 20s extensively snuck drugs into nightclubs <laughs> um <laughs> searches are not always necessarily no. effective but with, i think there's I mean? a part of a balancing act that happens where a nightclub sort of they don't want to find things it's probably on important yeah. to quickly note that the drugs were for my use and none of it was getting for spiking it Aye. was no. fun you know yeah. like yeah, yeah. Harmless fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, <laughs> self-harming fun. <laughs> uh, but there, there, is a, there is an element of, you know, self-preservation that will happen with nightclubs. I mean, we just came out of a pandemic lockdowns. One of the industries that have been hit hard. And now, you know, they're expecting them to turn people away and, and or increase search, exactly. increase investment. But, and there might be a part that's kind of like, well, do we really want to do Turn that? a blind eye to it. Can you also afford to be a nightclub well, in this climate where the type of reputation that means women don't want to that's go there. the boycott that's where yeah. the boycotts come in yeah and what i think would be a really good solution would be potentially for 
maybe some of the groups to infiltrate these online spaces where yeah. the guys are sharing because then you'll find out how they're getting them in because mm. they'll tell they'll be telling each other here's what i did it's to get a few in. stories of incels who were like converted out by engaging with journalists in that manner wow um quite a few ones uh, the one of the lads knew the fella in canada who had the the sort of mass shooting uh, spoke to like a female journalist extensively via reddit and then at the end of the process as she went live with her story he was basically like renouncing incel and that's exactly how like, yeah. she never went in to de-radicalize him but the process of actually having like adult conversations yeah with a woman absolutely had him go well wait a minute clearly none of this is true yeah you know there's a I mean? youtuber what? called contrapoints i don't know if you know and yeah. she's got an amazing video about incels and it's the fact that at the end of the day these are men who are incredibly lonely incredibly volatile and feel like they're on the edges of society like the joker kind of thing yeah and you do need to have some kind of while i do think actually acting on what they believe and spiking people and being abusive is disgusting and needs to be condemned and, and tackled actually just speaking with them from a human perspective is really needed and just treating them, giving them respect because this is the reason they're incels is they feel that they've been denied respect and while I don't want to pander to them and you know try and make them feel oh you're you're almighty you're the joker like you do need to give them respect and actually speak with them. To be engaged for sure yeah I'm a I'm a therapist Mm -hmm. and part of what I'm encouraged to do is to do like paradoxical work Mm -hmm. and look at the opposite of what people are sort of saying. So within involuntary celibate, includes the word involuntary. So actually they really crave and love women Mm. from a perspective. Mm. They're going about it a terrible fucking way, but you could point out to them all, actually your whole life and identity is around being rejected by women. Mm -hmm. That tells me that you love them. Yeah. You know, and if you can just engage them on oh, that right. sort of they human, the main want in your life. Uh huh. Yeah. It's just but your motivation's just... fucked, and you've went about this right. out of desperation yeah. down a wrong path. Yeah. But if you can engage them, even in just that simple human way, try and see it from their perspective. Don't get caught up in it, obviously, but mm-hmm. then you could easily de-radicalize these men because, like you're saying, it took for an interaction with a woman to open this guy up and. But I, I genuinely think that could be a solution where they just try and find these online spaces mm. where these guys clearly are sharing this information and, and go in and just find out what they're doing, you know? Yeah, um, but I'd be interested in looking at that. And I, I guarantee you, after this whole spike and, you know, during it, there will be research that will happen. I bet you there'll be academics looking into it. I'd be interested to see it. Because, yeah, I do think it would be good to see firsthand what they're actually saying and what their tactics are. Because we just don't know. I don't know how they're getting them in. And, you know, there's clubs down in london where the security is literally like an airport like you've got to walk through one yeah. of the scanners and i don't know how you can get a I needle in through that places with AI metal detectors and wands yeah and all these obviously types that's things, mainly you know for like I mean? knives and things like yeah. that but i just don't get how they can get them through so i'm i'd like to Aye. know mm-hmm. find it out. understand the mentality behind, behind it but we've, we've kind of looked at obviously like we're changing attitudes towards it obviously like the music industry mm-hmm. and venues uh nightclubs and so on and so forth like one of the big parts of the conversation that has been happening, you know, in the last year or so has obviously revolved around how organisations like the police and like how government react now. Mm-hmm. These institutions already don't have a great response to or a great track record when it comes to how they respond to like sexual violence and violence against women. Mm-hmm. Um, we've obviously had things like the Sarah Everard case yeah. and just the absolutely outrageous, you know, sort of, kettling and then attacking the you know yeah a peaceful um virgil um do you in terms of like your work with um your group find that there's pushback when used uh, 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 how are your people that interact with your service experience in the police after the fact so you're saying you would put somebody maybe in touch with rape crisis mm-hmm. and you know so on and so forth and let them deal with you know the trauma that have been exposed to in, in these environments but like are you seeing the same type of, I don't know, desire for change for these institutions? Are you seeing anything sort of positive coming for them other than, you know, flag down a bus or mm. whatever? Or, you know, just the absolute nonsense that we've been hit mm-hmm. with as they've sort of flailed about looking for answers? Yeah, not really, to be honest with you. I mean, we've always tried to not engage with the police too much just because plenty of people who've been assaulted don't actually want to take it to the police they just want to get better themselves because they know that the chances of actually getting 
justice from the police or from the justice system is low, which is shit that that's the case, but it is. Uh, but well. um, not really. The most that we kind of engage with and that I've seen the most positive kind of outcomes from are from other organisations that are similar to us who do provide support for survivors. Um, but it is it is just sad that we, we can't rely on an institution that are supposed to be take care of us and you know, make sure that we're safe, that we, we don't trust them mm -hmm. because most of society doesn't trust the police, particularly people of colour and women, you know, the fact that they're talking all about the plainclothes police officers, if you see one run away or ask for more, but it's just, it's absurd yeah. and it's so, it's pussyfooting around the actual issue. Um, so we're always really hesitant to, to engage with them and I've never, we've never, they've never got in touch with us mm -hmm. um, so clearly. Or, or organizations like us so yeah. it's clearly not a priority really i even boris johnson saying he's not making misogyny a hate crime because it'd be too much of a wide issue of course too much paperwork that i know doesn't that just say it all too much uh, effort yeah Fuck oh what a shame it. must be so hard for him so uh -huh. we have spoken in other episodes when it with regards to like male violence and like sort of gang and sort of um addiction sort of senses yeah spoke to organizations like guys for or who were sort of previously involved with like the violence reduction unit, mm, uh, who yeah. have got a really like innovative approach in terms of Scottish traditional policing yeah. to these types of matters. Like, if there was a space within these institutions where, you know, we could start having like a more sort of progressive conversation about mm. this type of thing, what, are, are there changes that you'd like to see for these organisations? Definitely, there is one that I actually did forget that we have worked with before, which is mentors and violence prevention, which mm. is from the violence reduction unit, um, right. which is. I can't remember the guy's name, um, but we've worked with him a lot. And that's when they go into schools and they teach young people how to spot violence and prevent it. And you can become like, a, you can become like a mentor in it. Um, yep. So that is one example, but that is a bit of a minority in the wider of Police Scotland. Yep. But I don't know. I, it's, it's hard to know what changes I'd like without like radical changes in the entire justice the entire system. system yeah. <laughs> Sounding very like... To be fair, that sounds fine with me. Let's just fuck yeah, it. Yeah, sounds well. good. i tell you one thing that they could do, like mandatory psychologists within the police. They should mm. have psychodynamic people analysing these fucking idiots yeah. because see, at the end of the day, um, police officers are human. Yeah. And humans are flawed. And we expect them to be perfect. They're not going to be perfect, mm. but there can be things in place, such as like anger management programs. Mm. Like that guy, you know, I'm no, we've made a deliberate, you know, effort not to say his name, the, mm. the Sarah Everard guy. Mm. He had the nickname as Rapist yeah. in group chats. Like they knew that this guy was a fucking nutcase mm. and they did nothing about it. That is where the focus should be. Shouldn't mm. it be on, you know, what happened and. How do we get victims to help themselves? It should be on why did this guy slip through the net when everybody around about him knew he was a fucking deviant? Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. Like, how how is he not sacked or yeah. even better, taken care of in a sort of mental health way? Yeah. Like, just it it blows my mind that they don't have them doing, you know, like multi I mean it's as simple as getting them to do online questionnaires. Exactly. Multi choice, multi questioned and it comes out. It you get there eventually yeah. with people like they've got all these tests that they can do. People use them for interviews like mm. Myers Briggs and why is that not getting applied? Yeah, like, it's almost just so obvious. Mm -hmm. Why would you not want to make sure that the people who are in the literal police who are meant to be the the institution to protect people are not not cases uh -huh. and you know mentally well well yeah exactly not to like stigmatize but yeah i i think that there are so many solutions and ways that you can you know if somebody has like violent tendencies to make sure that that doesn't come out in their work and that they can get the help and therapy that they need because so much of the time people have these urges and these thoughts and they don't act on them and they can get help and help themselves yeah mm -hmm. um or, or receive help from institutions so i think yeah. as well how the police manage themselves because one of the things that around uh, Sarah Everard and then I think there was a few weeks later there was a um, girl, an Asian doctor who mm -hmm. was also murdered in broad daylight in, yeah. a, in a park. Apologies, I don't I remember her name off the top of my head. Um, but during this sort of period as women's safety was really being sort of intensely talked about in, in the sort of public domain, police figures on like internal charges for domestic abuse came to light mm. where 
you know, the numbers, and again, off the top of my head, I don't specifically remember the numbers, so I'm not going to quote anything, but I remember reading it at the time and being absolutely staggered that such a propensity of police officers could be even accused mm. of domestic abuse and stay in their jobs. Now, fair enough, we have to have screening and we have to have empathy and process that manages these things when the police deal with the public, but I don't even think women have the confidence just now in the police's ability to manage the police, never mind yeah. anything else. And like for me, one of the changes I would certainly like to see is that the minute a police officer is accused of domestic abuse, that they're suspended, and if they are found guilty, then they are immediately dismissed without yeah. question. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the notion that a domestic abuser could go into someone else's house and successfully handle a domestic abuse case or the violence against women that's resulted in a woman's death. There was a, a woman in London, um, woman of colour, who it was found out after a murder that the police had been posing for selfies with the body and oh stuff like that. God. And you're just like, everything like this is should just be like straight up dismissal. And then if a police officer is dismissed, is that an abuse of public power? Is that something that then needs to be considered a sort of criminal charge? Like, we've, we're not even, we're not seeing or hearing no. any of this. And I get that Every institution probably wants to protect its own to a certain extent, but there needs to come a tipping point. And yeah. I think recent events, particularly in the, the sort of sphere of women's experience and the violence that they're facing, like we're at that tipping point, I think. Absolutely. And we're barely scratching the surface thus far, and it needs <laughs> to now start. I think there needs to be absolute institutional reviews and changes in the police. Um, and it, that's exactly it. There are so many officers who are abusers themselves. And then if you, they, they'd expected to then go and say, investigate a situation with a domestic abuser, they're going to sympathise with them most likely. And of they're going to have their own biases in yep. their mind. Uh, you know, of course, the racism of the police is a whole other issue, which is mm. completely institutional and has been there for a long time. And I think will continue to be mm. Um, but it's just a case of when will this actually change? When will we stop talking about it? And will, when will they actually act? But mm. clearly it's too much of an issue and it's too difficult for them at the moment, which yeah. is just so frustrating. And I'm going to shoot off on a wee bit of a tangent here just before we start to wrap up because mm -hmm. that notion of institutional failings and not having the right conversations about what's going on, this is something that I also feel is kind of like premin, uh, sort of present um with one of the other organisations that I've seen you were involved with um, about the exclusion zones. Back off Scotland. Aye, back yeah. off ask about. Yeah, of course. Because we talked earlier on about misogyny and in very sort of general terms. And I think for me, what back off are involved in kind of touches on that more, maybe more an issue about patriarchy than anything mm -hmm. than misogyny. But um, it's the group that you're advocating for 150 metre buffer zones around abortion clinics yeah. because at the moment and uh, let's I'm going to use a, the term religious fundamentalists it is, it is. Um, yeah. are essentially blockading healthcare facilities mm -hmm. um, and trying to essentially intimidate women out of yeah. having things like abortion and stuff like yeah. that um, and this is another one I don't think the Scottish government is it's got a bit of laissez-faire kind of like mm, yeah. you know kind of approach to it and I think this is, again, another example of an institutional failing because if women who are using that service decide that, you know, it is within their right, as it is in this country, to make use of these services for whatever reason mm -hmm. uh, they want to, then they should be allowed to do that. Yeah. Like, it's Sorry. sorry. No, I was going to say... Pushback it's are you getting here on this one? So much. It's particularly from, I'm going to name them, the Scottish Family Party. Absolute from them and yep. they are religious fundamentalists i'm sure you've both heard of them yeah. they're absolutely abhorrent they mm -hmm. are disgusting um because they Certainly believe in family values yeah it's the they, they want the scottish family to be preserved which is a straight couple and no sex before marriage and no no gayness none of that mm -hmm. um and the main pushback has been from them and we we have been incredibly disappointed in the scottish government because we've met multiple times with Minnie todd the health minister and she's essentially said it's an issue for the councils to deal with but we've just had a conclusion come from COSLA who are the local authority um, yep. institution and they've said that this is not an issue for councils it is for the Scottish government because that's the only way 
is going to be implemented throughout the country. Um, and these are NHS facilities, which will yeah. be a governmental issue exactly. rather than a council issue. Totally. And the, the main crux of it is this is not a debate about the morality of abortion because you're entitled to your opinion on abortion. If you disagree with it, that's fine. It's up to you. But yep. it's an issue of accessing healthcare without being harassed by religious fundamentalists with graphic photos of fetuses yep. with pictures that say i regretted my abortion you'll regret yours women regret you know things like that that yeah. are just and a lot of the time people go into these clinics aren't get, always getting abortions it's all sorts of things it's people yep. with fetal abnormalities who have to get really traumatic surgery you know to make sure that they don't die yep. people even just go in to get contraceptive pill but it doesn't matter what you're getting you shouldn't be getting harassed yeah um absolutely and the notion so, that that one and i passed by them uh, at the royal infirmary yeah. my bus is in and out of town um coming from um sort of spring neck of the woods and that one that you know you'll regret abortion yeah is it so fundamentally misunderstands the issue because i i, I know a few women who have had to have abortions mm -hmm. and like even for complex medical issues like you're describing yeah i have never met a single woman or heard a single woman anywhere who came out and went yeah i had an abortion you know yeah. what i mean like it's a really traumatic emotional experience for anybody that has to go through that yeah. no matter what reason they do so the notion that they're being picketed is for me outrageous and it is an extension of that entitlement that yeah. that you know that structure that says we get to control who you are and, and what you do yeah you know i mean what um what kind of are you seeing any sort of progress on the issue yeah um jillian mckay from the greens just lodged a member's bill in parliament to get zones, which is uh, brilliant. Jillian's brilliant she's amazing she's brilliant and we're really we've had a lot of support from monica lennon as well who's also also amazing it's, it, we've had cross-party support um there's just one smp M msp what's his name john he's a he's south side swinney no McNichol? no i can't remember his name but he he admitted he's to the calf cart guy on twitter yeah i think so glasgow calf cart at glasgow calf cart somewhere is it oh i really i should not say i'm sorry you can edit that out i don't worry about um but he has admitted to attending the vigils so-called vigils yes um because he's i mean thing is plenty of religious people aren't against abortion or at least believe if they don't agree with it that people should be able to access them but yeah. when there was debate in parliament he started talking all about the morality of abortion and how he's met loads of women who have regretted it and it's like that's not what this conversation's about yeah. i'm sorry but governments are not there to tell you about morality yeah like, I, I, exactly like you're just not like no. if you think that you're morally superior to anybody <laughs> you need to go and speak to somebody anyway because yeah. You're just not like, yeah. but I for people to like push their guilt like that. Like, if you mm. have own personal guilt, like if you've, you know, had an abortion and you, and you regret it, you've got no right to then project that yeah. out onto other people. Like, yeah, you've got your reasons for your guilt, and that I'm sorry that you're dealing with that, but you should never ever then push that on other people like it's ridiculous yeah and it's just funny seeing the scottish family party scrambling to try and debate with us but we're just like why would we even bother giving you the time there's of day no like it's there's just no point and it's so they like the scottish version of the what's that um the the west westboro baptist church honestly like, there's uh, such similarities between them they're just vile. Um, I remember when there was the election earlier this year and they were putting leaflets through people's doors and the stuff that had on them, it was like, we will have appropriate sex education in schools, which basically just means they won't have any. Yeah. Um, things like we will not allow transgenderism to be taught in schools. Like all this just Because that's exactly stuff. what teachers are doing now is like going into class and teaching seven-year-olds how to be transgender. Oh, of course, you know of course. I mean? That's like, all they talk about. Yeah, it's totally it's, based in reality. They worry me, these guys, in a lot of respects because... We talk every now and again now about like American politics, but at least now that Trump's not here, like mm. threatening the world with everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, right wing Christian fundamentalism has torn America apart, mm. basically down the middle of the country. Um, and we're seeing, especially after Trump got punted, that particularly in southern states, guys like uh, states like Texas and stuff mm -hmm. like that, that have been just absolutely horrendous anti-abortion bills passed yeah. because they kind of get it through the supreme court they've been trying for 40 years and even we are republican majority they kind of get it through and mm. um, because it's a basic human right mm -hmm. so they've started legislating at local levels and some of the legislation that's been through has been absolutely just 
like draconian like mm. medieval something yeah um and my worry is that these types of groups are now starting to copy and paste some mm-hmm. of the tactics that we're seeing and women again are essentially being used like paul said in the past almost as like sort of cannon fodder here yeah and to see like representatives of the scottish government saying that they had levels of interaction or empathy or sympathy for these types of groups probably worries me even more so it does like do you think that there's a chance that this is something that's going to become sort of more prevalent mm. that we need to worry more about or that women need to worry more about yeah. that this type of legislation about what they can and can't do with their bodies is mm. going to become a thing in scotland hopefully not to the extent it is in america i mean the, the main kind of thing that the scottish family party preach is freedom of speech which obviously you know you're entitled to do so long as you're not being abusive which yeah. they are a mm-hmm. lot of the time um I do think they'll, they're not electable. Nobody, they, you know, they're they're on the second um, mm-hmm. list when you vote in the Scottish elections. They're not going to ever be elected. But it's the influence that they have that it can infiltrate party lines. That an SNP, yes. a member of the of the government, is is able to sympathise with them and voice his views. Like I said, if he disagrees with abortion, all well and good. That's fine. But you need to accept that it is a healthcare right, regardless of your moral views or anything, and that people mm-hmm. need to yep. access it. So. Hopefully, given that, you know, Nicola Sturgeon also talked about our campaign and obviously is a feminist herself and, you know, agrees with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like to think that there, there won't be any restrictions to the extent in Texas, but I don't know. It, it does frighten me that they, the Scottish Family Party do have, you know, thousands of followers on Twitter mm-hmm. and they, they do have uh, supporters. And to lobby. Yeah, exactly. And a boy I went to school with ran for them uh, a few years ago uh, it was when it was the westminster elections it was when amy callahan won my seat where i'm from yep. um and i was watching it because it was joe it used to be joe swinson's seat so i was you know watching it to see her maybe get booted out which mm-hmm. she did and i saw and i was like he went to my school so i looked him up and it said scottish family party and i was like who are they I hadn't heard of them and i went on his facebook and it was just the most disgusting thing i've ever seen and you know he got 10 votes so ten fannies voted for him, but I was yeah. like, "There you go." Like, there clearly isn't the the actual uh, elective support mm-hmm. that you'd think there would be. There is a lot of chat, but there's no so action more on we it. We need to be careful about these people lobbying, lobbying through the back door. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. thing that I'm worried about: not actually having them in Parliament and yeah. being able to put policy Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, man. That was a, a great conversation, and. um I man, I, I really enjoyed that. I did, uh, well, I don't know if enjoys the word, but it's been it's, <laughs> no, it's been, been interesting um, to get into it. Like I was a wee bit nervous coming in because I'm I'm aware that there's still probably like blind spots on this that we might still have and you know want to make sure that I we mean get, me get too right. as well. Like this uh-huh. is the thing, it's not possible to know everything and be right about absolutely everything. And I always listen back to these things and think, Oh my god, I could have worded that better, but hopefully the message still stands. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think that's part of the motivation why you have these conversations no. for me personally is that challenge ourselves I a bit on it. challenge it and and also i don't want to be in a position where i'm at fault like you know especially as things you know evolve and change and, and stuff like that so mm-hmm. no thank you very much for where can thank you. anybody listening find the various groups that you're involved yeah, in? Yeah, God, I'm f- stretched a bit thin, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Um, we're on Twitter, at Girls Against and at Back of Scotland. And then we're also on Instagram and Facebook, just all under the same names. Girls Against and Back of Scotland. So guys, anybody That's got any questions or anything, that's where you find them. Get in yeah. touch, get involved. Yeah, get involved. Their DMs are always open and we're always happy for a chat. No abuse though. Actually, you can give us a bit of abuse, but we'll just laugh at you. Okay. <laughs> this is the best way to deal with it. That's the way yeah, we're doing it. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank again. you.